64,000 is the median number of words per book. Average person reads about 200 words per minute. Simple math will tell us that is one book in 320 minutes. To accomplish this in seven days, numbers say you would have to read for 45 minutes a day. Don't forget to subscribe. Hit that notification button, like, comment, and share. Enjoy. Hello, and happy day. How does slowing down sound to you today? Would you like to reduce the noise for just a bit? Are you ready to make a choice and decide to listen? My name is Igor S.F. Walker. I'm here to remind people to slow down, to reduce the noise, walk their lives into a natural flow. Welcome back to the Book of the Week series. Every week as I read another amazing title, I share it with the world. And today we look at the psychology of money. Timeless Lessons on Wealth, Greed, and Happiness by Morgan Housel. In this video, we're going to find out that soft skills are more important than the technical side of money that knowing what to do tells you nothing about what happens in your head when you try to do it. Few topics offer a more powerful magnifying glass that helps explain why people behave the way they do than money. It is one of the greatest shows on earth. So stick around till the end and I will share with you some tools I have and use that will help you tremendously in this game of life. Discover a way to find out what actually motivates you. What innate human need is driving all of your decisions and all of your behavior. I will share some tools to improve self-awareness, social awareness, self-management and relationship management. The world is full of obvious things which nobody by any chance ever observes. Sherlock Holmes. Financial success. It's not a hard science, it's a soft skill. Where how you behave is more important than what you know. This soft skill is called the psychology of money. Money is everywhere. It affects all of us. And it confuses most of us. Everyone thinks about it a little differently. It offers lessons and things that apply to many areas of life, like risk, confidence, and happiness. You know stuff about money that I don't, and vice versa. You go through life with different beliefs, goals, and forecasts than I do. And that is not because one of us is smarter than the other, other or has better information. It is because we've had different lives, shaped by different and equally persuasive experiences. Studying history makes you feel like you understand something, but until you've lived through it and personally felt its consequences. You may not understand it enough to change your behavior. If you were born in the 1970s, the S&P 500 index increased almost tenfold adjusted for inflation during the teens, your teens and twenties. That is an amazing return. If you were born in the fifties, the market went literally nowhere in your teens and twenties adjusted for inflation. Two groups of people separated by chance of their birth year 
go through life with a completely different view on how the stock market works. Like and risk are siblings. They're both the reality that every outcome in life is guided by forces other than individual effort. There is no reason to risk what you have and need for what you don't have and don't need. The hardest financial skill is getting the goalpost to stop moving. It's one of the most important ones. If expectations rise with results, there is no logic in striving for more because you will feel the same after putting in extra effort. Modern capitalism is a pro at two things, generating wealth and generating envy. Perhaps they do go hand in hand. Wanting to surpass your peers can be the fuel of hard work. But life isn't any fun without a sense of enough. Happiness, as it's said, is just results minus expectations. Social comparison is the problem here. Reputation is invaluable. Freedom and independence are invaluable. Family and friends are invaluable. Being loved by those who you want to love you is invaluable. Happiness is invaluable. And your best shot at keeping these things is knowing when it's time to stop taking risks that might harm them, knowing when you have enough. Good investing isn't necessarily about earning the highest returns, because the highest returns tend to be one-off hits that cannot be repeated. It is about earning pretty good returns that you can stick with, and which can be repeated for the longest period of time. That is when compounding runs wild. The opposite of this, earning huge returns that can't be held onto, leads to some tragic stories. Getting money and keeping money are two different skills. Getting money requires taking risks, being optimistic and putting yourself out there. But keeping money requires the opposite of taking risk. It requires humility and fear that what you've made can be taken away from you just as fast it requires frugality and acceptance that at least some of what you made is attributable to luck. So past success can be relied upon to repeat indefinitely. Nassim Taleb puts it this way. Having an edge and surviving are two different things. The first requires the second. You need to avoid ruin at all cost. Applying the survival mindset to the real world comes down to appreciating three things. Number one, more than I want big returns. I want to be financially unbreakable. And if I am unbreakable, I actually think I will get the biggest returns because I will be able to stick around long enough for compounding to work wonders. Number two, planning is important. But the most important part of every plan is to plan on the plan, not going according to the plan. And number three, a barbell personality. Optimistic about the future, but paranoid about what will prevent you from getting to the future is vital. The highest form of wealth is the ability to wake up every morning and say, I can do whatever I want today. The ability to do what you want, when you want, with who you want, for as long as you want, is priceless. 
It is the highest dividend money pays. Other people often bypass admiring you, not because they don't think wealth is admirable, but because they use your wealth as a benchmark for their own desire to be liked and admired. You might think you want an expensive car, a fancy watch, and a huge house, but I'm telling you, you don't. What you want is respect and admiration from other people, and you think having expensive stuff will bring it. It almost never does, especially from the people you want to respect and admire you. Do people need to be convinced to save money? My observation is that yes, many do, past a certain level of income. People fall into three groups. Those who save, those who don't think they can save, and those who don't think they need to save. This is for the latter two. The first idea, simple but easy to overlook, is that building wealth has little to do with your income or your investment returns and lots to do with your savings rate. Past a certain level of income, what you need is just what sits below your ego. Everyone needs the basics. Once they've, they're covered, there's another level of comfortable basics. And past that, there's basics that are both comfortable, entertaining, and enlightening, but spending beyond. A pretty low level of materialism is mostly a reflection of ego approaching income, a way to spend money to show people that you have or had money. When you define savings as the gap between your ego and your income, you realize why many people with decent incomes save so little. So people's ability to save is more in their control than they might think. Money relies more on psychology than on finance. And you don't need a specific reason to save. You're not a spreadsheet, you're a person, a screwed up emotional person. It took me a while to figure this out. But once it clicked, I realized it's one of the most important parts of finance. The correct lesson to learn from surprises is that the world is surprising. The most important economic events of the future, things that will move the needle the most, are things that history gives us little to no guide about. They will be unprecedented events. Their unprecedented nature means we will not be prepared for them, which is part of what makes them so impactful. This is true for both scary events like recessions and wars and great events like innovation. Things that we like to say never happen, actually happen all the time. These kinds of things happen all the time. You can plan for every risk except for the things that are too crazy to cross your mind. And those crazy things can do the most harm because they happen most, more often than you think. And you have no plan for how to deal with them. Progress happens too slow to notice, but setbacks happen too quickly to ignore. There are lots of overnight tragedies. There are rarely overnight miracles. When someone tells you, you should buy this stock, Keep in mind, they do not know who you are. Are you a teenager trading for fun? An elderly widow on a limited budget? A hedge fund manager trying to shore up your books before the quarter ends? 
are we supposed to think that those three people have the same priorities and that whatever level a particular stock is trading at is right for all three of them? It's crazy. It's hard to grasp that other investors have different goals than we do because an anchor of psychology is not realizing that rational people can see the world through a different lens than your own. Growth is driven by compounding, which always takes time. Destruction is driven by single points of failure, which can happen in seconds and loss of confidence, which can happen in an instant. It is easier to create a narrative around pessimism because the story pieces tend to be fresher and more recent. Optimistic narratives require looking at a long stretch of history and developments which people tend to forget and take more effort to piece together. Expecting things to be great means a best-case scenario that falls flat. Pessimism reduces expectations, narrowing the gap between possible outcomes and outcomes you feel great about. Maybe that's why it's so seductive. Expecting things to be bad is the best way to be pleasantly surprised when they are not, which ironically is something to be optimistic about. The more you want something to be true, the more likely you are to believe a story that overestimates the odds of it being true. Part of the reason forecasting the stock market and the economy is so hard, because you're the only person in the world who thinks the world operates the way you do. When you make decisions for reasons that I can't even comprehend, I might follow you blindly into the decision that's right for you and disastrous for me. Coming to terms with how much you do not know means coming to terms with how much of what happens in the world is out of your control. And that can be hard to accept. I cannot tell you what to do with your money because I don't know you. I don't know what you want. I don't know when you want it. I don't know why you want it, so I'm not going to tell you what to do with your money. But I will tell you this. Go out of your way to find humility. When things are going right, and forgiveness and compassion, when they go wrong, because it's never as good or as bad as it looks. The world is big and complex. Less ego. Manage your money in a way that helps you sleep at night. If you want to do better as an investor, the single most powerful thing you can do is increase your time horizon. Become okay with a lot of things going wrong. You can be wrong half the time and still make a fortune. Use money to gain control over your time. Be nicer and less flashy. Save just save. You don't need a specific reason to save. Define the cost of success and be ready to pay it. Worship room for error. A gap between what could happen in the future and what you need in the future in order to do well is what gives you endurance. And endurance is what makes compounding magic over time. Avoid the extreme ends of financial decisions. You should like risk because it pays off over time. Define the game you're playing. Respect the mess. Smart, 
informed and reasonable people can disagree in finance because people have vastly different goals and desires. There is no single right answer. Just the answer that works for you. The ultimate goal, the mastery of psychology of money and to each their own. No one is crazy. And there you have it. The psychology of money. Timeless lessons on wealth, greed, and happiness. Please do help out. It is easy. Simply like this video so more people can enjoy it. Share it too and spread the word. Leave a comment and share your thoughts. Subscribe to my channel and stay up to date. And the link to this book is in the description below. So buy it, read, never stop learning, especially learning about yourself and nature. So gift yourself by taking the free human needs test on my website and find out what actually motivates you, what innate human need is driving all of your decisions and all of your behavior. And if you feel you are ready to improve your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management and relationship management even further, do check out my Master of Life Awareness program. The links are in the description below. Thank you. Love and respect.